Today's episode of Hogan Johns is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from the experts at GoToMeeting, all about making work from home work for you. With indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home, we're here to help you in this brave new remote working world. Find us on smart speakers or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. You can also listen at gotomeeting.com slash tips. That's gotomeeting.com slash tips. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. In the 30s, early 30s, there are three teams that dominated the league. New York Giants, Green Bay Packers, and the Bears. Hang on to your hat to fasten your seatbelt. From here on out, this one is liable to be something. From NBC Sports Chicago, it's Adam Ho. The Bears have the ball. First and ten to go on their own 35-yard line. And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. And a hand off to Gale Sayers. Picks his way. Finds a little hole. Here they are. Bucks off will hold. The Adams. The play down. The kick is in the air. Wait a minute. Hogan Johns. Go Bears! We've increased competition at a critical position. And the way we view this is it's an open competition. Let's get this thing going. What's up? Welcome in. Hogan Johns with you on a Thursday. Two weeks away from the virtual NFL draft. It's like a fantasy draft. I feel like they should... Uh, Use Yahoo and ESPN to set up their their draft boards on their, their computers. I, I I'd feel so much more in tune with what, what's actually going on with some of these teams. You know, even I don't know how you are with your fantasy league, but we still make a pretty big effort to all get in one place and do it. Well, that's what makes it. That's the best part of the draft. I, I have to be honest. Now we all bring our computers. We used to have like the big boards. That you would set up. You could buy those on the internet. Remember those back, back in the day? But yeah, see, we still do that. Yeah, with like uh, the you order the stickers and everything. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. the The best fantasy draft, Adam, that I have ever been a part of was my junior year in college at St. Norbert's, where we snuck into a classroom, brought beer, brought snacks, brought everything, and we paid a guy like ten bucks to write the names on the board. On the, it was an old board with with like chalk, the old green uh, chalk boards, and he had he had chalk, all that stuff, and he wrote all these names on this board. And I kid you not, this was a baseball draft. By like the I don't know fifteenth round, we had to spell the names out for this guy writing the picks on the board. It was fantastic, by far my favorite <laughs> draft I, I've ever been taken part of. Well, uh, it'll be interesting to see how this actually works for the NFL. And uh, Roger Goodell is he going to be? You know, in his living room announcing these picks are, you know, are they going to set up a a studio? All this stuff is yet to be determined. It sounds like some of the broadcasts might actually kind of converge and merge into one between the ESPN and NFL Network. So that could be interesting and uh, maybe it'll make it more interesting. I have no idea. But um, we got some time. Before we start talking about the draft, what we're doing this week is still kind of catching up on free agency since we uh, missed some of it. Um, And uh, we broke down the offense on Tuesday. If you missed that episode, please go back and find it. Uh, The podcast is still available wherever you listen to your podcast. Your feed should still be there, should still be the same. Um, and we're happy to be back there on your uh, mobile device, wherever you listen to your podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Adam Hogue, H-O-G-E, at Adam Johns, J-A-H-N-S. You can read me 
Adam Hogue at NBCSportsChicago.com. And Johnsy is on The Athletic, where uh, you can find all of his writing and The Fishman, Kevin Fishbane, in The Athletic app, as well as his podcast. You can listen to the podcast there as well. It's all there. Our producer is Kent Garrison. And as we broke down the offense earlier in this earlier in the week, Johnsy, it's time to take a look at the defense, which still looks pretty good. Yeah, yeah, should still be a top ten, dare I say, top five unit. So I, I've spent the the past couple weeks, Adam, kind of looking a lot of, at a lot of Robert Quinn film. And I watched some of the Saints game that he played this this year, and let me tell you, I, I think the the reasons why the Bears went after this guy are obvious. I get some of the concerns about him always being on the right side. That's where he played the entire year last year for the Cowboys. But this dude is just so much better than Leonard Floyd. Let, let, let's be honest. He is just a better pass rusher in so many different ways than Leonard Floyd really ever hoped to be for the Bears. Look at you watching film, digging in. Yeah, on the I got tape. a lot of time on my hands here. Do Not a lot research. of it comes in. A, <laughs> you know I am, Vic. You know I am. Yeah. No, I, I and I don't even think you really. I appreciate that you did look at the film, but um, you don't really even need to do that to understand that the the production is there, right? For for Robert Quinn, and that's the the big thing we talked about with Leonard Floyd for four years. You could talk about potential. You could talk about playing. Well against the run, dropping in the coverage, that's all great. You don't trade up for a guy in the top 10 of the NFL draft, a pass rusher, unless you're expecting that guy to get sacks, right? Yeah. Sack the quarterback, and that's the one thing that Leonard Floyd can never do consistently. I want to get Kent involved on this because he, he runs the Cowboys podcast for The Athletic here. So he's got a different... Perhaps more more insightful. I mean, he's seen every Cowboys game uh, this year. And uh, Ken, come in and, and tell us your thoughts on the Bears signing Robert Quinn if you can. Well, they got a good one. Uh, he was a priority free agent for me uh, outside of Dak Prescott and Amari Cooper. He was the one person we wanted back. If you watch the Cowboys for the past few years, you know how many issues they've had rushing the passer. And this guy came in late in the offseason via trade and hit the ground running, and led the team in sacks last year, and you feel like with an entire offseason, you know, non-pandemic offseason under his belt, he would uh, make even more progress in year two. He he would know the system a little bit better, even though there is a new head coach. I think he'd be more comfortable. And yeah, he was a guy that I was willing to kind of not break the bank, but spend a lot of money on. But when you spend $100 million on Amari Cooper, and you've got a quarterback that's going to get $35-plus million dollars, it seems like they uh, they went the cheap route and they took Alan Smith on a one-year deal that is non-guaranteed. So that seems to be their solution. Uh, you know, kind of a similar deal than Robert Quinn, maybe a guy who's had some good days, but uh, you know was trying to prove himself. So hopefully that's what they get out of out of Alan Smith. But Robert Quinn was everything you wanted him to be. Great locker room guy. Um, you know, played pretty much every down you wanted him on. Made huge impact plays. Uh, you know, when Demarcus Lawrence was double teamed a lot, he was taking advantage of that and, and getting home and getting to the quarterback. 
And so, you know, Chicago definitely spent a lot of money, definitely more than the Cowboys were willing to spend on them. They definitely had a budget on that. Or, you know, I think they, they wanted him back, too. I mean, he was definitely somebody that they had their eye on and, and wanted him back if, if the price worked out. But I think they had their priorities with Amari and Dak and getting those deals, at least um, in Dak's case, kind of secured for the, for the short term. And, you know, they're going the cheap route on the defense, which I don't, I don't necessarily agree with. You know, I think you need impact players on the quarterback position, at the receiver position, and at defensive ends. You know, those are the three for me. So Robert Quinn was somebody that I wanted back, and I'm disappointed they didn't get him back. But I got to tell you, Chicago got a good one in Robert Quinn. Yeah, there's only so much money to go around, right? Uh, if it was up to Jerry Jones, no, because he would break the bank for everybody. But that salary gap it has to, uh, I guess, be in effect for every team, unfortunately. But but I think this is always like kind of a, a fun and oh, I don't know, mostly reliable way of 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 looking at free agent acquisitions, right? And the question you always get a different perspective from the team that lost that player, right? And the question I always ask. Is that player replaceable? So, you know, we can look at like last year, Johnsy, with Adrian Amos going to Green Bay. And here in Chicago, we're like, totally understand why the Bears let him go. Like, he's replaceable and not worth that money that the Packers paid him, right? So, Kent, I guess the question to you then, in, in your opinion, is Robert Quinn replaceable right now for the Dallas Cowboys? Uh, and did the Bears spend too much? I don't think he's replaceable for the Cowboys. I mean, they have, you can count on one hand the amount of guys they've had with uh, 10 plus sacks in a year since DeMarcus Ware left the Cowboys. And he was usually their go to pass rusher. Uh, you know, DeMarcus Lawrence has been the guy for them, he's played at a Pro Bowl level. But, I mean, for Robert Quinn to come out, come in here on year one and get over 10 sacks is almost unheard of for this defense. Uh, you know, these guys usually average. You know, the six sack guy, you have a, a guy off the street, a Jeremy Mincy, a, a George Selvey kind of guy come in and have five and a half, six, seven sacks for you. But yeah, for them to have a guy with 10 sacks, I'm surprised they didn't try more uh, to keep him around. So if Alvin Smith has 10 sacks, I will be very surprised, honestly. Or if any guy that, that's coming <laughs> in in year whole one, world be surprised. Yeah, maybe Randy Gregory comes back from suspension. And if he gives you 10 sacks, that'd be a huge surprise. I, I don't think they're going to replace his production. I think they're going to try and do it by committee, though. Maybe rotate guys in and out. When watching the, the, the Saints film, I, I you, you see them pay attention to him more, more often sometimes than... than Lawrence, that's yeah. how good he is and how fast he was coming off the ball. I like the the idea of pairing him with Leonard Floyd because, can't we kid you not, there will be plays where there would not be only three guys committed to a, um, a Cleo Mack, but sometimes four, right, Adam? Like, like it, it, was, yeah. it was crazy to see that game plans or different game plans unfold for stopping Cleo Mack. And there were times, I, I keep remembering the, the Eagles game where Leonard Floyd was left one-on-one against tight ends, and he wouldn't do anything. That's not good. You need your pass rushers to destroy tight ends. Destroy them. This this is where um, yeah, I, I think the perspective with Robert Quinn needs to be kept and why I think, you know, I'm a little skeptical that, 
and and I know that there's an out like two or three years into the deal, but you know this this does look like a contract that at his age is this is his year thirty, um, his age thirty season coming up here. That maybe at the back end of this contract, you're definitely trying to get out of it, whatever. But let's focus on now in 2020. And the reality is that Robert Quinn, if you are an offensive coordinator out there, an NFL offensive coordinator who needs to plan to defend actually the Bears pass rush because that's ultimately what it what it is even though you're an offensive coordinator you're trying to defend the opposing pass rush coming after your quarterback how do you do that and when you look at what the Bears are going to line up again if everybody's healthy because the one thing last year was Akeem Hicks missed most of the season and that killed them but if everybody's healthy and you're the offense coordinator and you're sitting there on a Monday night and you're starting to put your game plan together for, for the Bears, and you're going, who do we have to worry about? Okay, obviously Khalil Mack. Obviously Akeem Hicks. Well, I'd put Eddie Goldman third still. Now we're to Robert Quinn. You see what I'm saying? Like, he's not, definitely not the top two, and I would say not even top three when Eddie Goldman's out there on the field, of guys you need to worry about stopping with your offensive line. That is going to set Robert Quinn up for a lot of favorable situations. And to your point, Johns, Leonard Floyd got a ton of those. And he just never brought the production. And I'll let you respond here, but I have some numbers to give you too on the production. <laughs> I think I know some of those numbers quite well. And I guess you and I kind of differ on the money a little bit. I don't see it as prohibitive whatsoever. You're talking about, what, $30 million guaranteed, which is really over, what, the course of the... The, the bulk of it is over the first two years. You're talking about, what, a $15 million average. I think if you take the whole deal into account, it's a $14 million average. Leonard Floyd was due a $13.2 million you know, fifth-year option this year if he kept them. So that's that's not a big significant difference for me. If you want to like compare players plus the cost and, and have the analysis of that run, even throw in their ages because you know, Robert Quinn is not that much older than a Leonard Floyd, who was an old rookie. I feel like we've talked about that before, but the cost of adding a Leonard Floyd to a defense that's already loaded with all pros, I love it. I, I like it. This this should be a move that really propels the Bears' defense back to what it was in, in 2018. They weren't as good as they were you know, two years ago. They need to return to that in pass rushing. Getting a better pass rusher, I should say, will definitely help in that regard. So here, here's here's some of the numbers I have. I had these in my uh, bear my ten bears things this week. My number one thing, in fact, um, ESPN Analytics uses a, a stat called pass rush win rate. Okay, uh, they use NFL Next Gen stats to compile this, and it measures how often a pass rusher is able to beat his block within two point five seconds. Okay. So basically, the percentage of time that a pass rusher is getting past his block, winning that block within 2.5 seconds. Guess who had the number one pass rush win rate among all NFL edge defenders in 2019? Well, I'm guessing you're going to say Robert Quinn. His name is Robert Quinn. That's better than TJ Watt, who is number two. It's better than Demarcus Lawrence, who is number three. Now, that is important that DeMarcus Lawrence was number three because that was obviously contributing to more favorable pass rushing situations that are probably easier to defeat 
that's certainly part of the equation. But that's why I go back to what I just said earlier. Look at the Bears' def- defense. Robert Quinn's still going to be in a lot of favorable pass rush situations, right? So uh, I think that that was very encouraging there at that uh, when when you look at that. Now, here's my one concern, and it it's the lack of versatility. According to Pro Football Focus, all 374 of Quinn's pass rush snaps last year came from the right side. And I am, this is also partly personal preference. And I don't know that Chuck Pagano necessarily moves everybody around maybe as much as Vic Fangio did, but there was some movement, Khalil Mack lining up in different places. And when there's, there's been some fair discussion about Robert Quinn playing in a 3-4 because when the Rams went to a 3-4 in 2017, he didn't play as well. Now, he pointed out in that conference call, John Z, that, yeah, he didn't necessarily like it, but he still put up eight and a half sacks. Eight and a half sacks would have been second on the Bears last year behind Khalil Max nine. So eight and a half sacks would still be an upgrade. I, I believe that would be Leonard a career high for Leonard Floyd as well. <laughs> yeah, it would be. Now... But what's also been pointed out by both Quinn and uh, the Bears is that it might not be a 3-4 so much as the fact is he was playing a lot more on the left side that he wasn't as comfortable rushing from the left side. I just don't necessarily like that. Maybe it's not the end of the world. I like when guys are able to line up in different places, especially when you can move Khalil Mack around the formation. I'm sure Chuck Pagano will still find ways to do that. But it does seem like... If he's not comfortable playing from anywhere other than the right edge, he either needs to adapt or maybe he's going to have to have his snaps limited a little bit. I just got one request for everybody listening to this right now. Can we stop overrating scheme change a little bit here? Just The Bears, for the majority of the time, were still in sub-packages, which means four down defensive linemen. People kept, you know, like, what, what, what's Robert Quinn got to do? You know, he's going to he ask the rush upright. Well, you know what? Watch the Bears. Cleo Mack, you know, a lot of times had his hand in the dirt. A lot of times they got five defensive backs back there. So you got four guys up front. In this pass-happy league, if you can have four reliable pass rushers, I don't care if he's got to play on one side the entire season. If he's getting after the passer and getting it after him successfully and consistently, then let him go. Whatever works, if you don't have to blitz and send all sorts of different things and you can just rely on four guys, that is such a benefit for everybody else back there. You, you can do different things. I, I get that you want to be exotic and attack teams in, in a lot of different ways, but you know what? Chuck Pagano didn't blitz a lot last year either. So I, I'm being very open-minded to this. I just like the production level, especially compared to Leonard Floyd. And you know what? If he's got to play on the right side the majority of the time, I, I'm okay with that. Everybody should be okay with that. The numbers, the production is there. He's winning those matchups, those one-on-one matchups. Let him go. You know who comes to mind? Willie Young was a 4-3 guy that when the Bears changed schemes, still was pretty good in the Bears 3-4. Remember all those jokes between him and Vic about defensive end and linebacker? Yes. yes. <laughs> and he would never, he would always call himself a defensive end. Um, but you know what? He still had his hand on the ground plenty. Okay. Cer- certainly he had to rush standing up sometimes. Certainly there were some changes, some minor technique stuff, but you talk about those sub packages and you're absolutely right. There's still four down linemen a lot. And 
it's it's gonna it's gonna be fine. It's 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 you know good pass rushers can transcend scheme. Yeah, uh, just I, put them on the field. It's their number one job, yeah. just like you drafted. Yeah, so get that's the why to me it's more of a per, if it's a personal thing with him not wanting to be on the left side. That's the thing that's concerning. And that's kind of what I got from his conference call. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. I, I'm sure Chuck Pagano could convince him to go over there a couple times. I'm sure Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks, Eddie Jackson, Danny Trevathan. With all due respect to, to Robert Quinn, you're not walking into that locker room expecting to be the alpha of this defense. You're not. There's Khalil Mack. There's an all-pro safety. And the voice of that defense is Akeem Hicks. And the, vo- and the second voice is Danny Trevathan, a Super Bowl winner. So... I would just suggest get in line. That's this is a defense that's made to win now. If you're asked to do a couple different things every now and then, listen. Signing Barkevius Mingo for some for some depth. I like it. I mean, I don't know if he's going to be a major player, but former first round pick. It's not bad depth to have compared to some of the depth you've had. I think in past years. The way I look at it, Adam, this is the he's the equivalent of Sam Acho with a much longer name and more complicated to spell. <laughs> I am that serious. Just, I'm that serious. He can play in special teams. He's good on against the runs. Yeah, Bar- yeah Barkevius. Yes, that's the more complicated you name. You can spell that. Not? Yes, I can. But yeah. Sam, it's not Sam is, though. I'll give like, you that. Like like Sam, my six year old can spell Sam right now. You know, we can get him on. He can spell Sam, no problem. <laughs> but Barkevius, it's going to be different. But I, I think it's a good signing. I think it's good depth signing. I think it's he's good against the run. I think he can get in there and do a little bit more than an Aaron Lynch can do. I think he's good on special teams, which is something Aaron Lynch could not do. It's a good signing. All right. Now, we know they're up against the cap. Uh, it looks like the official numbers are finally updated in recent days. And when I checked it yesterday, the Bears literally have uh, $300,000 left of cap space. Okay. Um, which means it's probably, you know, they're going to have to make some more moves here just to get their uh, draft class probably signed. Okay. Uh, but there's still time that you can get creative. There's ways to do that. It's not necessarily a problem. I'm just bringing it up. The cap thing is a real thing that they've been battling through all this. It's why Nick Foles' contract is structured the way it is. Um, Somewhere, there had to be something sacrificed. And I don't want to overact to this too much because the draft is still coming up. And let's see what the depth chart looks like in a couple weeks. Let's see how the draft, those second round picks are used and what this all looks like. But right now, there's no question, Johns, that the secondary has taken a, a bit of a hit. And as of today, there are two spots on that defense that do not have clear-cut starters, that probably have competition, that to me can be covered up by an improved pass rush, which is, I'm sure, the strategy here. But you look at strong safety right now, Deion Bush potentially starting a spot he's never... Well, he started some games, but he's never really established himself as a permanent starter there and always been a depth guy. And then replacing Prince and Mukamara is a real thing. So you're looking at what a Kevin Tolliver possibly playing more. You got the kid. I'm blanking on the kid's they name. They signed Artie Burns. 
Artie Burns, the other guy from um, – I wasn't thinking of Artie Burns. So Artie Burns' contract, by the way, what is it? The, it's almost a veteran minimum benefit, is it yeah. not? So, yeah. Um, yeah. You think of Trey Roberson? Yeah, Trey Roberson, yes, from the CFL. Yeah. So there's there's your top three. That's that's your competition. You do have Buster Screen. You do have Duke Shelley. So you got you got some options to move some guys around. Screen and Shelley did play outside at, at times, not a lot. We're talking only about a handful of snaps outside a bit last year for Chuck Pagano. I like the idea, Adam. I've been thinking about this a lot. Everybody's obsessed with offensive line in the second round, and so am I. But I'm really intrigued by the idea of completely reloading, not completely, but half reloading your secondary in the second round. Because you got some very intriguing cornerbacks. You might have some of the best safeties they're still available at 43 and 50. You can find some day one starters possibly there in the secondary instead of overdrafting an offensive lineman. So I'm really curious about the, you know, with the idea. I want to hear how you feel about maybe drafting a cornerback and a safety there in the second round if they stick at number 43 and number 50. Well, I don't hate it. Um, you know, but it, it Again, though, so, somewhere something's going to be sacrificed. Uh, there's just there's there's more needs than there are draft picks in this draft. So, if you do that, uh, you certainly could complete your defense. You know, a guy that uh, we broke up broke down today. We've been doing these draft videos. Uh, me and JJ Stankovitz at, at uh, NBC Sports Chicago, and the one that we did today was Kyle Duggar, um, the safety from Lenore Ryan. He is uh, somebody that's been basically since the Senior Bowl been a, a big time favorite, and somebody that safety position could be a great pickup and probably play right away. So, you know, that's just one example. I don't hate it, but obviously, if you do that, you're going to have the people pounding the table for offensive linemen, interior offensive linemen. Well, now you've ignored that. You've ignored the tight end position. You just can't address them all. That's the bottom line because as we sit right now, there's two second round picks, and then there's not another pick until the fifth round. Yeah, I'm just saying, don't force the pick, though. We all know you need an offensive guard. But if your board tells you not to pick a guard at that point, then don't pick a guard. Stick with the BPA. You're going to have some very good safeties there. Antoine Winfield Jr. comes to mind. I know he's 5'9". I know people may be scared off by that height. You know, I, partially I am too, but the guy's a playmaker. You know this, Adam. He, yeah, I, I like Winfield. I've I, I seen him... A few times uh, the last few years when Minnesota's played Northwestern, he had a great game against the Wildcats this year. He's a, he's a good player. My my concern with him isn't necessarily with him the player. It's the fit with the Bears because, to me, he's more of the free safety ball hawking guy in the back. Um, now, he does have some versatility. I wonder if you can play him in the slot a little bit. Um, I, I kind of like that more. But I don't know that he's going to be, John's the, the type of guy that can just s- sort of play closer to the line of scrimmage, be your strong safety, and allow Eddie Jackson to go back to being that center fielder, getting his hands on more footballs. When Eddie Jackson gets the ball in his hands, we forget he was an outstanding returner in college, which is why he's so dangerous when he gets an interception and can potentially take it back for a touchdown. And I think they need to maximize those types of opportunities for Eddie Jackson. So bringing in another free safety... That's my only concern. I do love Winfield, the player, though. See, I, I see a willing tackler, a guy who's willing to get his nose dirty. 
Wasn't that a criticism of AHA Clinton Dix? That's something he wanted to willingly address openly with the media and, and amongst his teammates. Like if you look at some of those graphics that compare where Clinton Dix and Eddie Jackson played, you know, it's obviously uh, apparent that Clinton Dix played more, like more in the back end. Like he was 15 yards off the line of scrimmage more often than that. Um, Eddie Jackson was closer to the line of scrimmage. It was a bigger difference when you had Adrian Amos. So I get your point. I- I'm just saying, let's not overpick an offensive lineman as much as you need a guard in the second round. Try to stick to your board. You need a cornerback. You need a safety. You can find maybe some depth in the offensive line later in the draft. Yep. Um, but, you know, it, the, the bottom line is right now, they need help somewhere. Um, or they are definitely going to be taking the risk that some of these guys they've picked up in the past are going to be able to improve. And, you know, that's always part of this. You want improvement from within your roster. So maybe that's a guy like Duke Shelley who didn't really, we didn't really see much of him as in his rookie year other than when he oddly was getting activated on game day over Sherrick McManus and was getting holding penalties out there. That was still one of the most bizarre things of the 2019 season. Uh, but maybe he emerges as a starting nickel. And in that case, Buster Screen, you mentioned this earlier, but he does have experience with the Jets for a little bit. Maybe maybe that's a solution, but you, you let your competition try to figure that out. Maybe Deion Bush, you know, he's been, I feel like, a solid safety when he's been out there. Maybe that's all you need from that strong safety position. And Eddie Jackson goes back to being that type of guy I talked about. There, there, there is the possibility that there could be some emergence from guys, younger guys. I feel like the sa- I feel better right now, John's, about the safety position than I do corner, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because Prince, I don't want to call him your lockdown guy, but I know Vic Fangio gave him some freedoms in how he wanted to play his man coverage out there. He was better than fans give him credit for. Yeah, oh, absolutely. He wasn't targeted a bunch. We know Fuller gets targeted a bunch because he plays so far off. And look, I know Prince is on the wrong side of 30. I think he's a great guy for that locker room. Maybe he can come back on a, on a cheaper deal. He still isn't signed. Um, you know, he's still out there as a free agent, but I, I do think he was an underrated piece of a pretty darn good defense the past couple of years. We'll see. I, I think he's going to maybe missed, especially, you know, amongst media members who like talking to him. But, yeah, it's, it's concerning. Let me, ask you, I, let me ask you this, Johns. If, if the draft goes by, the Bears do not use one of those second-round picks on the corner and Prince of Mukamara is still out there. Do you see that as a as a realistic chance that that they would go back, go and bring him back? Because I like that idea. Yeah, it depends on the player. There's some pride this yeah. well. It depends on the agency. You know, he's got to play the market as well. You want the best situation for for your guy, and see what the price is at that point. You know, I don't I don't think he wants to stop playing. I know he's got an interest in having a career in the media. You know, after he is done playing, but he's not there yet. He's still productive cornerback who made some pretty big plays for, for for this defense so you know he'll fit right in but yeah I, I I honestly think instead of offensive line cornerback may be the Bears number one need going into the draft to be honest with you yep well there's no doubt that that's uh the area that they've kind of had to sacrifice here you on defense you knew 
that there would be an area. Um, but I also, they're clearly hoping that an improved pass rush, getting Akeem Hicks back, adding Robert Quinn to the equation, that that will uh, help cover up maybe some of those weaknesses on the back end if they are there. Let's move on to the uh, the middle part of the defense, though, the spot we really haven't talked a whole lot about. Um, but the decision to keep Danny Trevathan over Nick Kwiatkowski, um, these contracts ended up being relatively similar. I think we were all expecting Kwiatkowski to get paid. Um, I kind of expected him to end up with more money, like a, a greater difference than what Trevathan ended up with. I think this goes to show you that the Bears still highly value Danny Trevathan. And even though he's older by a few years, he's still a darn good player when he's healthy and a big piece of that defense in the middle from a leadership standpoint too. Yeah. The, the the part of the Kukowski evaluation I, that I think a lot of people had trouble wrapping their minds around, yes, this guy played well. Yes, this guy got the quarterbacks. He ran over running backs. He tried to block them. Yes, he intercepted passes. He did, all a lot of, he did a lot of good things playing in the middle of the Bears' defense. But he was still a backup for it. It was still Trevathan and Roquan Smith who he was filling in for. If if they don't have, if Danny Trevathan does not get hurt, Nick Wachowski does not play. If Roquan Smith does not have his personal issues off the field, Nick Wachowski does not play. They still see something in Danny Trevathan. It's not like he blew out his Achilles. It's not like he blew out his knee. He dislocated his elbow. Yes, it's a serious injury. But one, for a linebacker, he should be able to recover from and be still a, a, a solid you know, middle linebacker for your defense, especially with those guys he has in front of him. So the idea of overpaying, I don't want to say overpaying, because I think Nikolkowski did deserve a deal. I think he did earn it. But he was still a backup behind these guys. And if you're going to pay the guy, you got to pay your starter, right? Especially if you still believe in him. Look, I went back and, look, and, and looked at my grades from when Danny Trevathan was out there. But people forget Danny Trevathan was playing outstanding football. Arguably the best football he had played for the Bears before he got hurt last season. He was still fast. He was all over the field. And that was at a time where Roquan Smith was kind of struggling with whatever was going on, inactive against the Vikings. Danny Trevathan was picking up the slack, and yes, he got hurt, but he still looked like a really good player that had plenty of football left in him. So I like Nick Wikowski. I think it's a great story. I think he's going to be a very solid player for the Las Vegas Raiders. But to me, Danny Trevathan is faster. He fits this defense great. He's, you know, a big heartbeat in the middle of that defense, and he works really well with Roquan Smith. And I do wonder, you know, to your point about Nick Kwiatkowski always being a backup, playing well coming in, how much of that was a product of the defense he was in, the scheme he was in, the coaches he had? What does that same player look like in a completely different organization when he's got to be the guy? When he's yeah. get, now getting paid to start 
and be on the field for every snap for 16 games. I think Nick Kwiatkowski is capable of doing that. Do not get me wrong, but does he still look as good as he looked for the Bears? That is the question that talent evaluators are always looking at. And when you ask that, there's no question about that with Danny Trevathan. Danny Trevathan's already proven that. There are no questions with Danny Trevathan in that regard. The production is already there. I think I've been guilty of actually underrating what Danny Trevathan was becoming for the Bears. I still remember talking to you, to Adam. Um, God, where were we? we were in, in one of our Fairfield hotel rooms. Could have been in, Bur- I think it was in Bourbon A, where I started to wonder whether or not Danny Trevathan could be a bubble guy. Whether or not Nick Kwiatkowski, who was making plays at training camp, was going to take his spot away. And boy, was I wrong. So I think I've been guilty of overlooking what he was becoming, underrating his, his actual skill set. His intangibles are immensely important for that defense. Sometimes you just need a guy who's going to yell and scream and be that emotional fire. Him and Akeem Hicks provide that. Eddie Jackson provides that. Khalil Mack, pretty soft-spoken. Kyle Fuller, pretty soft-spoken. Danny Trevathan, not whatsoever. Those types of intangibles, especially defense where you need that passion. Just just look at the guys we, we've seen here in Chicago. Brian Urlacher always had a smile on his face, always laughing, having, having fun in the field. Mike Singletary, those eyes, the passion, you know, the, the, the sound bites that live on forever. And then Dick Buckus, the most ruthless linebacker in the history of the NFL. I don't mean to be comparing Danny Trevathan, who's never gone to a Pro Bowl to these guys. But in terms of intangibles, for what he provides for this team right now, he brings a lot of edge to it, man. I don't think... I'm guilty of overlooking it. I'm guilty of underrating it. And I don't think the Bears did that whatsoever. He deserved another contract. He deserved to be paid here at least one more time in his career. You're right. You you had discussed. I cut him. I cut him. I cut him. On I remember this that. podcast I cut him. Yeah. that Danny Trevathan could be a cut at the end of uh, at the end. Of, now I think my response to you was something like this. What? I don't even think Mitch was on the team yet, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> no, this was last year. This was last summer. No, right. this is like this is like a couple years ago because I wasn't in Bourbon A this much this year. This this is like two years ago. I want to say this is this is John Fox era Bears because we knew John Fox was on his last legs. No, this was in the last two years. It, it was that it was it was definitely within the last two years with Matt Nagy as the head coach. Because you were only there for four. It, it definitely wasn't last year. It definitely wasn't okay. last year. Yeah, but I, I want to say Fox was the coach, and we all knew Fox. You know, his, his time was, was a ticking here, and yeah. But, but hey, you know what? Live and learn. Boy, was I wrong. And I, I think the, the Bears clearly saw something, you know, on the field more than I did, but like off the field. You know, that's where I've learned more about Danny, just, just in terms of what he means to that locker room. It's hard to put a value on it sometimes. All right. Um, let's do this. I think we, we kind of cover anything else on the defense. No, they should be good, man. Top five. What do you think? It's a fair assessment, I believe. I mean, it's all up to the health up front to me. If, if, if those guys up front stay healthy, they're going to be humming and everything's going to be fine. I mean, you may, 
you may have one or two instances here or there where somebody gets open deep for a big play because there's a weakness in the secondary. But um, remember, Eddie Jackson can cover some of that up too if he's truly back there as the free safety with his range. So I, 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 I think they're fine. Really, don't have a you know some specific concerns in terms of offseason preseason talk with some holes in the depth chart, but really as a unit overall, they they should be fine. Yes, yes. There's too much all pro talent at all three right. levels for them to like. Even they had injuries last year, but they still survived in one of the top defenses in the league. So uh, let's do this. Let's have some fun. You guys on the athletic today uh, decided to put together. This sounds like an Adam Johns driven <laughs> idea. You know thought. it, buddy. And not just because your byline's actually on it. Um, <laughs> but this just has you written all over it. There's two, and I'm sitting here pretty hungry as we're, as we're recording, and I'm staring at two yummy Chicago style hot dogs, and I'm thinking I might have to uh, leave my bunker here in the, uh, the Hoag studio for the first time in over a week and maybe actually go to a Portillo's drive-thru uh, to get some of these hot dogs with everything on it. But you guys at The Athletic basically took your whole Chicago staff and everybody gave a recommendation with the good thought behind this to support your local businesses with the best hot dogs, the best pizza during the quarantine. Yeah, we want everybody to support their, their local businesses and we know Chicago... Adam, you grew up in Lincoln Park. You're a St. Ignatius kid, so you know this as yeah. well as anybody. It's the mom and pop shops that have the best Chicago staple foods, and those are hot dogs. That's the pizza, and it's the thin crust tavern cut pizza. That's the that's the pizza cut like squares, everybody. And the best oh, beef yeah. sandwiches. That's true and- Chicago pizza. We get labeled with deep dish, which is fine and it's good. But to me, like the the more Chicago thing is what you just talked about—the thin crust, cut in the squares. Yes, from mom and pop shops, and I could go on and on with favorites or, of places I've gone to over the years. I kind of did in, in our in our uh, listing here. So let me ask you, Mister Lincoln Park, mm-hmm. yeah, what are your favorites of all time? You got to put them in. So my favorite, unfortunately, is not there, and. It, it Demon was Dogs? Literally, uh, Demon Dogs was was great. Uh, originally Devil Dogs, right? I think they had to... Uh, I forget. Um, but, no, the place we went to, where I closer to where I lived growing up, Red Hot Mamas. Red Hot Mamas was the place. Uh, no I longer think there? It, no longer there. There's a similar type place there now. I don't know what it's called because I don't live there anymore, but it's not Red Hot Mama. So R.I.P. Red Hot Mama. But <laughs> that type of place. Wasn't it Demon Dogs underneath the, the, the L there? They're long gone now, though, too. Yeah, they're gone, too. But I can't remember if they changed their names with the uh, with the Paul changing their name. Like, I feel like it may. And maybe I'm making, out, oh, making that up yes, if it went yes, Devil yes. Dogs to Demon Dogs or not. But anyway, yeah, what you're talking about is right. Right there by the red line, the Fullerton red line. It it was right there, and it was amazing. So you went with your place. By the way, shout out to Mark Lazarus, Mustard's Last Stand, right next to Ryan Field. Um, It's a good pick. 
Oh, he called it Ryan Stadium. Come on. He's a Northwestern guy. What's going on there? Johnsy? I'll get him. I'll get him. Come on. That's unacceptable. <laughs> but uh, Mustard's last stand is amazing, and I will frequently pregame. If I get there early enough, if we have like a pregame broadcast, give me some Mustard's last stand. You, of course, went with Super Dog. Only beef with Super Dog is I don't believe Super Dog has Vienna beef. No, they got their different types out. They're, they're larger in uh, yes. girth. <laughs> it's a bigger hot dog, my friend. <laughs> Would you like to go into any other detail on that? <laughs> no. Tastes no? delicious. <laughs> <laughs> um, Italian beef, I, I was torn on, on a lot. I know somebody was going with Johnny's. Pompeii picked it. Johnny's in, in Elmwood Park is fantastic. Jay's, I've had that forever. Uh, Roma's was a was a staple of mine growing up, and I'm always amazed at how many people don't know about an Italian beef sandwich until they come to Chicago, and then they just leave craving it for years until they return. How big is the round? Uh, I'm not sure how thick it is, but I think it's it's probably kind of thick. It's good. It's an old one. It is, but. You know, can apply to the girth of the hot dogs you're breaking down right now. <laughs> Behave you yourself, it. my friend. Uh, you said it. Um, and I got to give Fishbane a little bit of... He, he... Again, what are we doing? I don't like when people call it Sox Park, all right? And Sox Park isn't open right now. Is he suggesting that you go to Guaranteed Right Field right now and get a hot dog? He asked for permission to put it in there because it's his favorite hot dog, and I thought it would give people something to look forward to. No, not you. Just made you your heart hurt a little bit. Um. Okay, I like the thought, and I would be totally hypocritical if I said otherwise. Because and it was that this was actually my wife's idea. But if you follow me on Twitter, you saw me post last Friday. We literally made up hot dogs, the grilled onions. It's it's the smell of guaranteed rate field where the White Sox play. That's the smell of the ballpark there. That specific smell for that specific ballpark is the grilled onions. So we're craving it. It was actually my wife who really wanted it um, because we're missing the ballpark. So I love the sentiment. And I'm really just, I'm just giving Kevin a little bit of a hard time. You know, the most underrated part of a good Chicago dog, Adam, is the celery salt. Yes. It is a must. A must mm-hmm. to make it a true Chicago dog. Yep. Um, I'm gonna have to try the Art of Pizza. They got two votes. Yeah, people always rave about that place. I've never I've been. never been there. Yeah. No, I've never been. And Scott it's Powers is my guy going with yeah. Pequod's Pizza. That's good. So this entire thing is up on theathletic.com. If you're listening to this podcast in the app, you can pull it up right now, even as we're talking about it. The Chicago Sports Writer's Guide to the Best Hot Dogs, Italian Beef, and Pizza. I am starving, Johns, and I'm just going to have to go get some food. <laughs> I think my two tacos tonight. Taco there, could ta- night. There, there could be a taco list coming out later. Taco too. Thursday. Taco Thursday. Yeah. No, that's uh, that's fine. Um, hey, there's no rules we, in the quarantine for what you want to do. What are we watching tonight? I'm going to start Ozarks. Oh. Yes. Okay. 
Yes, yes, we're gonna start Ozarks. Um, it's just I, sing, it's just singular, by the way. Ozark, okay, Ozark, <laughs> Ozarks is where you go on vacation. <laughs> but that is why it's called Ozark. That's where the show takes place. So we'll watch that. We'll start that up. Uh, I'm overdue for Downton Downton Abbey um, episode. It got kind of dark in the last couple, so we took a little bit of a uh, little bit of a break there. Um, tore through the end of season two of The Wire last night, so we're on to season wow. three. Can't get enough of that show. Just can't. I gotta stop. ask you this. I gotta ask you this. How, how in the world? Oh no, we're on to season four. We're on to season four. But how are you? Get, what time? What time of night are your kids actually fully asleep? All three of them. So my kids, uh, they're in bed and settled all that by eight o'clock. So we'll watch the little Downton Abbey. Watch the. Series finale of Modern Family last night, and about nine thirty is when I try to take over the television because my wife will not want to watch The Wire. So we'll either go in a different room or we'll be like, hey, you know, watch The Wire. You know, you, you drop your hints in there. So I try to get at least one in uh, before we go to bed around ten thirty eleven. Um, although last night I could not sleep, so we watched it to about twelve thirty in the morning. All right. Yes, I could like not that. stop. It, see, that's because that's my struggle right now is I can't find the time to watch anything that is, uh, you know, obviously not appropriate for kids to watch. It's just there's 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 no time. So I'm impressed. I'm impressed that all three of your kids are really asleep by eight. You got, you got to get them out. You got to get them outside riding bikes, you know, wear them out a bit. They'll go right down. Yeah, well, it'd be nice if it wasn't snowing today. I mean, come on. Wait, you, you got get snow? snow? No, it's we didn't get any snow. It, there were some snowflakes. I mean, it wasn't like actual snow, but it was frozen moisture coming down. It's that <laughs> the point is, the point is, it's freaking cold out today, okay? And it's, so, uh, getting out in the park, not very uh, comfortable. Put a hat but, on, put some gloves on, Adam, and you can make it. You can survive. The one thing I have been doing a really good job of, not just to toot my own horn, I. I have been working out more during this whole pandemic than I do otherwise. Because I just play basketball otherwise, and I haven't been able to do that. So it's got me doing all types of online Peloton classes. Not the Peloton bike. I don't have a Peloton bike, but you, the Peloton app, you can do all these different types of classes in your living room on a mat. And I've been doing a ton of them. They don't have time for that. I'll, I'll, I have been you got doing time 100. to watch 17 episodes of The oh, Wire. Oh, man, by that time, I'm so tired. You know, <laughs> I have a glass of wine and a beer. Once that glass of wine or that beer is cracked open, um, we're not doing much, Adam. No, we're, we're, like, we're full we're, we're full on couch potato. Do you watch Curb? No, no, I, I that's another thing, and we're going to, you know, if I have Curb. more time to watch TV, <laughs> we're, yeah. we'll, well get into it, it. In the last season, Jeff Garland was like... Uh, Larry was trying to get him to do something late at night and he's laying on the couch in his sweatpants. He goes, no, sweatpants are on. Once the sweatpants go on, my, my day's over. Shut it down. Nothing's happening after the sweatpants go on. See, the problem with now is all I've been wearing is sweatpants. <laughs> I, it's a great point. I haven't put on anything other than sweatpants I need or to buy more. I, just re- I, I tweeted this like a week ago. I realized I do not have enough Sweatpants. I've been rotating them. I got like four yeah. or five, which I guess is a fair amount, but mm-hmm. you need a lot more when you got a shelter in place, Adam. 
The other thing is like I love the environment, um, but I'm gonna have to start going to plastic or paper plates. I I, I can't do I can't do another night of dishes. Yes. It's unbelievable. There's so many damn dishes. I don't. I, I've always made fun of my wife for the amount of dishes we have. And now I finally understand why we have so many. She was planning for a pandemic all along. Yeah. <laughs> there's, there's, there's no, this is the only situation we ever will use all the dishes we have. And we're doing it every single day. And I'm so sick of it. So I, I, I just can't do it anymore. I get it. Every night our dishwasher is full. Every single night. We had to eat out yesterday because I was so sick of doing dishes. I'm just like, I'm going to yeah. order some. I'm going to order some a Euro, some hot dogs for everybody because I am tired of washing dishes. <sighs> All right. Well, speaking of that, I got to go make some food and then do more dishes and then probably jump on like my seventh conference call of the day or something like that. Yeah, this is got to work, man. Got to work. <laughs> it's the world we live in. All right. Uh, it's fun to talk football, though. It really is. It's good to be back on this podcast. Appreciate everybody listening. We love you. <sighs> Any final thoughts? I'm in the mood for a beef now, actually. The beef? Re- yeah, reviewing the, the reviewing the list. Had a Euro yesterday, so I don't know if going Euro beef is, is the healthiest option to do. But, uh... Win in Rome. <laughs> I, I did uh, Wingstop for the first time yesterday. Yeah? It was solid. You I liked so? it. Yeah, I did. Okay. I liked it. Never had it. Don't know if that counts as supporting local, but... No, no. You would have make our list. I, I would Technically, definitely... Portillo's kind of crosses that line now, too. Yeah, it's true. It's true. But it originated so. here, and there's still places in America craving for a Portillo's franchise to open. I'll say that. Yep. Uh, no, I, we're doing local, too. I, I've been making a point of it. Chrisula's in Libertyville. Shout out to them. Um, Half Day Brewery in Lincolnshire. They're actually, you can fill your growlers with them, so that's been great. There's plenty of options out there. Uh, thanks for listening. Follow us on Twitter, at Adam Hogue, at Adam Johns. Probably more food discussion over there. Marvel movies. Got to get Johnsy watching Curb. Let's go. Soon. All right. We'll talk to you next week. Enjoy your weekend. See ya. What else? Go ahead. I'm listening.